Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm a mess. I'm such a wreck. Hey Geekscapists, with Valentine's Day around the corner, we've decided to hook you up. Geekscape has partnered with the video dating app Filter Off to bring you a free and fun video speed dating event on Saturday, February 13th. To take part, all you've got to do is download the Filter Off dating app to your smartphone. Find the Geekscape event in RSVP with the code GEEKSLOVE2. That's T-O-O, because we do love to. You don't have to wait until Valentine's to use the app either. It's fun and free, and Matt Kelly has already racked up a ton of dates on it, so what have you got to lose? Download Filter Off, and we'll see you on February 13th. Geekscape forever. This week, we're joined by nerdcore rapper Megaran to discuss the hit Return of the Mac by the unique vocalist Mark Morrison. Unfortunately, a few arrests and jail sentences stalled out Mark's career in the States. But did Return of the Mac bring the thunder, or should it never return again? Stay tuned to find out. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So Rand, right off the bat Do you have a Mark Morrison impression? <laughs> I've been practicing mine know if i do i mean <laughs> when the song hits i feel like everyone just kind of gets into it 
Yeah. Well, I've been trying, man. I've been trying. I don't think it's very good. You lied to me. Man, no, that's terrible. <laughs> I, Matt, Matt, do you have... <laughs> can you do a Mark Morrison? No, no. I want you to keep trying. Oh, man. <laughs> you lied to me. <laughs> I don't know. First, right off the bat, Rand, did you even know that Mark Morrison was British? Because I had no idea. Oh, no. There's yeah. no idea. I mean, we didn't have Wiki and these other things back in the day. So there was no way to know this. Yeah. Uh, I started reading up on him, though, like later, because he just kind of seems to appear and reappear or the song just comes into our consciousness every once in a while. He's got a very interesting story. Yeah, man. It's never gone away. It's been here. It's Mm -hmm. when it comes on at a party, you know, the party's getting started every time. It's the jam. Okay, here's my best. I can do one portion of this song. It's my favorite portion of the song. I'll give it to you. Yes. Oh my God. That was good. I yeah. like that. That was so much better than mine. <laughs> hey, well, hey, right off the bat, this song has that sample, and I had to look up who it was. It's Tom Tom Club Genius of Love, which was made famous not only by this Mark Morrison song, but also Mariah Carey Fantasy. Fantasy. Great yeah. song. Great song. Fantasy, which also had the weird, like, Fantasy was my first introduction to Old Dirty Bastard because he did the Fantasy remix with Mariah right. Carey, where, like, they even shot a music video for the remix where he tied up the clown from the original music video to a flagpole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Like, it's so interesting that. I think I found out during the Wu-Tang documentary that Old Dirty and Mariah were very good friends. <laughs> and they seem like complete opposites, but they got along really well. And I, they became friends after that video shoot. It reminds me of this of how Paul Abdul and uh, MC Scat Cat became such good friends after they, <laughs> after they did Opposites Attract. So uh, kind of, probably the same sort of thing. Yeah, well, yeah same thing. The other, the other Old Dirty Bastard story that I always love, and uh, this touches on something that I know Chris and I are both very passionate about. He did a guest appearance on an Insane Clown Posse song. Yeah, nice. But like <laughs> the story behind it was that like they paid him a couple thousand dollars to show up in the studio, and he like showed up, was belligerent, and just yelled about bitches in the studio for like two hours and then left. And they had to write a song around his ranting because <laughs> they were like, we paid money for him to be on this track. So we're that's just going to use his rant. Oh, awesome. that is, like, that's a perfect little dirty story. I mean, like everyone that's ever encountered him has some sort of ridiculous story like that. I just found one where like someone said that he like rescued a woman from like a burning car or something. <laughs> Wow. I've heard that. And like yeah. fleed the scene. Like he didn't want anybody to know it was him, but he like <laughs> ran away <laughs> because like I think he had a warrant at the time. <laughs> Dude, that ODB song. Well, it's it's from the when he was Big Baby Jesus, I think. But that mm-hmm. song, I can't wait. Do you guys know that song? Yes. <laughs> That song makes me want to run through a wall. Like that song, that song makes me feel insane. <laughs> it is just nothing gets me more psyched than that song, especially when he starts screaming at the end. Big baby Jesus, I can't wait. <laughs> that song's so good. That whole album is insanity. Like oh, yeah. 
like when you cut him loose from having Riza there to help keep production on track and are just letting him have free reign, it is chaos. Yeah. Well, hey, we could talk about ODB all day, but we're here to talk about Mark Morrison. <laughs> Did you guys know that Mark Morrison, he carried around signature handcuffs? Did you know about the handcuffs? No, I didn't know about this either. This is all new. this is all new to me. But uh, apparently that was his thing that he carried around these handcuffs because I did a deep dive and I found this video where Mark Morrison is performing on what looks like the set of the theme song to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It's like white walls with like paint splattered all over them. And he's performing his song Horny, which is an amazing song. If you guys don't know Horny, you got to check it out. It was another, it was a hit for him, not in the United States, but I believe it was a hit in the UK. Also on this, after he finishes performing the song, he's interviewed by this woman and Ice-T who is wearing a bright red trench coat. And he's Ice-T, not in, not in SVU form, but more in very 90s Ice-T form. And so he's asking about the trademark handcuffs. And Mark then says that it's because they have to do with a reference to him being in prison, which we'll get into that. He's had several stints in prison. His first one was in 1994. He was involved in an altercation at a club where a student was knifed and killed. But he didn't have anything to do with the knife, the knifing and killing. He was just like in some periphery fighting. Uh, But he did end up getting 150 hours of community service, which we'll get into that as well. But he gets into the fact that he wrote Return of the Mac, at least part of it, while he was in prison. And when they asked him what it's about, and this is a quote from him, he said it's about a love relationship. He wants to get into a higher elevation, but she has no confidence in him. So she leaves him for another man. He then becomes a Mac. And then she wants him back. And that's sort of the story. And who hasn't lived that story? I mean, Rand, have you ever experienced that sort of thing? Oh, all the time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have it one way or another. <laughs> Knowing the story behind that song makes it even more absurd how many fast food chains use it for their commercials. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's part of pop, pop culture, man. Uh, Rand, do you remember the first time you heard this song? It had to be in the 90s. I'm thinking maybe MTV or something like that. I, I, I mean, I enjoyed it because it's very dancey. You know, those drums are great. That's the genius of love. You know, it it hits really hard. Even today, when you play it, that beginning, when you hear that, like it it just slaps, you know, it's just, it's, it makes you kind of move. So I believe I was, it was in the nineties for me, which is, I'm thinking this came out, what, mid nineties. So this was college. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I remember checking it out on MTV for sure. Hell yeah. It was huge. I mean, it hit number two on the U.S. charts. It was in Speed 2. I mean, <laughs> Matt sent me a list of things it was in. I love the list of things it's in. Entourage. <laughs> and you guys like Entourage? But let, let's let's talk about that for a second. I've never watched an, uh, a minute of Entourage. Oh, wow. I got to about season three, and then I tapped out on Entourage. <laughs> I watched all of Entourage, and I remember thinking it was amazing. But now I, <laughs> I, I rewatched it recently. Does not hold up. It is not, it is not a good not show. Not so amazing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Back to Mark Morrison a little bit. You know, after I, I told you this description of what he's talking about the song's about, Ice-T backs him up, and he said, you women out there treat us so bad, then there's nothing to do except become a Mac. And I couldn't agree with something more. 
Mm. If you're treated bad, you, you have no choice but to become a Mac. You become a Mac. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I feel I the, the sentiment, once again, maybe the basis behind it, it doesn't have to be from a male perspective. I mean, it could be from a female perspective as well. Someone does you wrong. You have no choice but to come back and become a Mac. Or what else are you going to do? Right? That, that's uh, nothing else you could do. That's it. There's a lot of videos of Mark Morrison out there when I was doing my deep dive of him playing shows. And I, I guess you saw this a lot in the 90s, especially at R&B shows. I feel like this would happen at like a, a shy show or like a uh, Joe to see whatever. But there are videos of women jumping on stage and ripping his clothes off while he's performing. Like I saw videos of him literally being dragged, <laughs> being dragged by women into the audience. Wow. Which, which was the thing back then, I, I guess. That was a thing. And, you know, I've I've heard of, as a guy who's done a, a few performances, I've heard of things like that being, you know, pre-planned and planted as well. Yeah. Where they'll just give somebody a few bucks and say, all right, you run on stage, you rip his clothes off, you know, we'll film it, we'll make sure it's, you know, it looks great. Not to say that he wasn't the Mac, because clearly he was. Right. But uh, it makes for a great story. To get some women and just rip your clothes off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Are you trying to imply that those times that I've seen you perform at San Diego Comic Con and women jumped on the stage and ripped your clothes off, that that was all a plant that whole time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a plant. Yeah. yeah. We've all been there. Implanted in your mind. It didn't actually happen. <laughs> so getting back to Mark Morrison and his legal troubles. So you know, he was involved in an altercation, spent some time in jail, got sentenced to 150 hours of community service at some other point, And this is like at the height of his career, too. He took a firearm onto a plane, which I don't even understand, like how you would get through security necessarily or why you would think that you could get away with it. I don't know. That could be along these lines. You know, you you wanted to establish this sort of bad boy image, I think, that that maybe that could have been... Because, I don't know, he didn't hurt anybody with the firearm, <laughs> but he definitely got caught with it. And then Matt and I were having a laugh about this before we started recording, that then what he ended up spending a year in jail for later was that he hired someone, a lookalike, his bodyguard, I found out, who, who I also found out was not a lookalike at all. The guy had dreads and and like didn't really look like him at all hired a lookalike to do his community service for him and then he got caught for that and ended up going to jail for a while for that after yeah definitely had his share of legal troubles but in recent years has really made up for that a lot back in his hometown of Leicester, England. He's done a lot for the community and for speaking to the youth and speaking out against knife crime oh, that's really big in the uk so i mean that right. may sound crazy but the way we use guns they use knives there which is a lot better i mean none of it's good but it takes a little more, more effort with the knife I, I i think but i think it takes a t yeah i think it takes a tougher person like you have to be really hardcore to push yeah. <laughs> you know, steel into someone's body. Like, ah, that, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you can pull a trigger from 50 yards away, yeah, but you have to run up on someone and puncture their skin. Like it's, I don't know, man. It's I, pretty hardcore to stab someone. Yeah. I've thought about that a lot. You thought about stabbing people a lot? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about like 
picture yourself in a self-defense situation. Someone's coming at you trying to kill you and all you have to defend yourself with is a knife. Yeah, that seems rough. Like I'd much rather have some sort of blunt object to swing like a bat or something than to puncture someone's body with a sharp object just seems like... Oh, it makes me squeamish. <laughs> so I guess that's a problem unless... And also, Mark Morrison is, as of October 2020, announced that he's actually running for mayor of Leicester. So the, wow. the, the man has turned his life around. He's released music. In 2014, he released his... I was listening to it right before we got on here. Uh, released album. It's good. I think a lot of his music, it's great. It's like right up my alley. Great beats. He's got a cool voice. He's got that ah, thing that that I dig <laughs> that you do yeah. way better than me. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you lied to me. <laughs> I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. I'll get it. I get it eventually. Yeah, when we're talking about this song, he had he had another minor U.S. hit that same year with "Moan and Groan," which I don't think is anywhere near as good of a song. Even on that album, I think Horny was a much better song than Moan and Groan. <laughs> I love the names of these songs. <laughs> Moan and Groan, Horny. But the, the songs are actually better than the titles. I, I'm not going to lie. He was big in the UK. This is going to be like another yeah. one of those ones where if you're like a UK listener, you're like pulling your hair out. Like, how dare you call this yeah. guy a one hit wonder? But <laughs> from stateside. There was just the one song as far as the United States was concerned. Right. Yeah. This is, so this is the only one that really like crossed over, but the rest of them were, were pretty good and still did well in the UK. Yeah. yeah. He had, I think he had something like seven or eight top 20 hits in the UK. Right. Yeah. That's what I see here in the United States. Like around the time this song got big, you know, the number one song at the time that this song got big was Mbop. Mm. So th- this was kind of a uh, completely opposite end of the spectrum, but in the same Realm, Notorious B.I.G. Hypnotize. If Hypnotize and Return of the Mac came on back to back, like very similar as far as like tempo and feel. Yeah, they would fit together well, for sure. Like yeah. these would fit like right near, near each other in like a DJ mix. Absolutely. Sure. But, you know, other songs I see on here, like <laughs> one of my least favorite one hit wonders, uh, the Verve Pipe, The Freshman was on the charts at the time. <laughs> Jules, Foolish Games and You Were Meant for Me were both in there. So, yeah, it was good to have some danceable songs when you got so many bummers in there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You brought up an interesting point with like, do you think because 1997, as far as I remember, like that's kind of like right around where the bad boy persona is really important. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. rappers quite literally, unfortunately lost their lives in an effort to like maintain that bad boy status. So do you think that there was a lot of, you you kind of implied it with like taking the firearm onto the airliner, but like, do you think that there's a chance that maybe his career would have actually benefited from him not trying so hard to be a bad boy because his next album didn't come out for a decade after this song. So it's like, it's a long time, especially thinking about it in 2020 terms where like, we don't have a new single out every two or three months. You might as well have just broken up entirely. I don't know. Yeah. You're talking about the nineties, but you could even relate it to now. If you are in the news and you're getting publicity for something uh, that you didn't have to pay for. <laughs> he just committed. I mean, I didn't know a lot about Takashi Six Nine. Do you guys know a lot about this? Mm, a little bit. I watched this uh, documentary. It was really interesting. Yeah, I read a, a big Rolling Stone article about it, like at the height of that. And then I checked out the music, and like it doesn't sound like the guy is 
musical whatsoever, but I thought that the song that he got famous on, it was actually kind of all right. He had like a very yelly type delivery, a very aggressive type delivery. So I was like, okay, this isn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be based on the fact that it sounds like the guy was just like, I want to be famous and I'm going to do whatever it takes. There was a little bit of something there, but it did seem like along these lines of what we're talking about, where someone just became a story more than that story being like they were very good at music. Yeah, I'm sure the label, you know, not to say that they would encourage that, but I'm sure they were like, well, look, like you're getting a lot of headlines and that pushes this, you know, this music. So, yeah, the story becomes much bigger than the than the art of the musician. So I'm sure it happens all the time. When he was the only British, they never put out an album for him, but he was the first and only British artist that got signed to death row with Suge Knight. So like, wait, he did what? Yeah. He was signed to death row in 2000, but his sophomore album didn't come out until 2006 that he just ended up self-releasing. So, but yeah, (laughs) did not know this. This guy was on death row records. (laughs) All right. So this is like, I'm trying to think Death Row in 2000. So this is like, okay, Tupac died in 1996. Uh, so things started kind of falling all apart there. Dr. Dre left before that. Snoop Dogg left after that. Suge Knight went to jail. Like, oh, a lot of things happened. Let me see what came out in 2000 on Death Row. I anything. am completely flabbergasted. So the <laughs> albums that came out that year, the year that he got signed was a compilation called Two Gangsta for Radio mm. and Snoop Doggy Dog's Dead Man Walking album. Ooh, okay. Now, an interesting <laughs> point about that that Snoop Dogg album is that that was all old recordings that Snoop had recorded and they released it and with of course that title Dead Man Walking to imply that they were after Snoop Dogg. Like this was this was insane. The stuff really? that they were doing at that time. Yes, people wow. really wanted to hurt him. Yeah, Snoop was fearing for his life at that time. So I didn't learn that until later. And this is a really highly recommended series, No Limit Chronicles. I think it came on BT. And so No Limit is a Southern rap label that signed Snoop Dogg after he left Death Row. And it wasn't just like a music thing, but it was protection for Snoop Dogg. Because Suge Knight was after him for, like, breaching his contract and all these other things. So he went to Louisiana, I guess, New Orleans, with them and recorded maybe two, three albums and did, like, 30 guest appearances on all of their releases. And it was in exchange for protection from Death Row. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, 
and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. All right, so looking at the rest of the Death Row history, this is definitely towards the end of Death Row because yeah, they the were following, over this time. yeah, like I'm looking at all their other lists, and it's almost all compilations or just releasing Tupac B sides from that point forward. <laughs> yep. The following year, they put out Tupac's Until the End of Time and the Dog Pounds 2002, which was also just a compilation, and Snoop Dogg's Death Row Greatest Hits. So yeah, they were just. Here's the stuff that we own the rights to. How many times can we repackage it and sell it to keep this thing afloat? So oh, I am yeah. not shocked that they never got around to releasing anything by our boy Mark here. There's a rumor that MC Hammer was signed there, too. Did you guys hear about that? Was that like around the funky? Um, what the hell was the name of that album with um, was it, Pumps was that and a Bump? Pumps and a Bump. Was that <laughs> the Pumps and a Bump era? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was right after that. He signed with them. He got a kind of hardcore persona after yeah. Pumps and a Bump. And went to death row. Wow. It, it was insane. There's pictures of him and Tupac and Snoop, but I don't think they ever put out like an album. It's funny that, do you guys remember the pumps in a bump music video by any chance? Oh, I will never forget it. Yes. It's seared <laughs> into our brains. It, seared into my brain. I was watching that in high school and I remember the women being like so enamored with Hammer and his hammer. <laughs> we would like, we would, we were, we felt so bad about it. We were just like, Oh man, anybody can stuff a you know a, a tube sock in their speedo <laughs> and do a music video. Big deal. <laughs> I've never seen I, I feel like at that point that was the most graphic portrayal of the outline of a dick on TV <laughs> that I'd ever seen. <laughs> that thing was just swinging around like and which is <laughs> it's really funny because like yeah, he was at that point. It was like his hardcore persona. He was dropping the the big pants and and you know the you can't touch this era. And he was coming out hard, but to be in like a speedo, it just doesn't mesh for me like, in my brain. How hardcore is that? Like seriously, you're here. You're singing a song. Like I don't know. I mean, maybe it's possible to perform a song and also be very aroused. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was at least half aroused in that video. Half aroused. It's 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 yeah. worth noting this. This is the big the big takeaway from that because I, I, I thought I remembered this fact. I pull up the wiki for it. The original music video featuring Hammer wearing nothing but a speedo and dancing suggestively resulted in being banned on MTV as being too graphic. An alternate mm-hmm. video was shot with Hammer fully clothed and featured appearances wow. by Dion Sanders. Oh, yeah. yeah. Deion Sanders, too. <laughs> Dude, it must be the money. Deion Sanders. The money. <laughs> that's a serious jam. Deion Sanders. Man, that that's a, a great album. <laughs> yeah. For music. I mean, I know this isn't a Hammer episode, but his peaks and valleys are just insane. I wish we could do a story about uh, we could do an episode about Hammer because, wow. Started out as a bat boy for the Oakland A's mm-hmm. and Became a superstar and you can't touch this. Then he lost all his money. Wait, wait, before we get there, because I think it's it's fitting to mention he was a bat boy for the Oakland A's and they called him the hammer because yeah. of Hank Aaron, who just yeah. recently passed away. So 
that ties in a little bit. Probably leaving a lot of stuff out. I thought that was a great tie-in. MC Hammer, I remember as a kid watching the behind the music on MC Hammer. And maybe he had something to do with the... Maybe this was like a Michael Jordan last dance where they like made him not seem as, as bad as he may have actually been. But I don't remember behind the music ever shying away from controversy. Their version of MC Hammer just made it seem like a dude who basically went broke by trying to take care of too many people. If you're ever going to go broke, I feel like that's a good way to do it is like taking homeless people off the street and giving them jobs just so that they have some money and like are, are making a living. And, you know, eventually your, your fortune runs out at that point. But yeah, I'll take that any day over like blowing it on drugs and, and women, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that is the case from what I remember, but I thought it was funny that he did have this arc where, okay, even on Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him, don't know if, if you guys both know that album as well as I do. Of course. <laughs> but, but there's that song, Pray. Pray. Yeah. That's why we pray. Pray. You got to pray just to make it today. <laughs> so he had this, he was religious, even on his big album. Then he did the hardcore thing, showed his dick, and then. <laughs> and then later on, he did become like a pastor or like whatever, so, uh, whatever, something real religious. So, yeah, he had definitely definitely an arc. This would be a good movie. You need to make yeah. the Hammer movie. There's, there's a weird amount of 90s like R&B and rappers uh, that definitely followed that same path because I think Montel Jordan also quit music to become a pastor. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. So that's how he does it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He does it for the Lord. But Mark Morrison, I feel like he still pops up enough that like it would be wild for him to pull it off. But I wonder if there's a chance that like years from now, this is like outdated because he somehow just pulled out another big hit like 20, 30 years later. He's got that very recognizable voice. And I wouldn't say that that would be impossible. He's, you know, the thing I was thinking when I were doing our impressions of him or whatever with that, like that voice is that very distinguishable voice. But I think about that band Cameo. You know, word yeah. up. Oh yeah, they had that same sort of thing. Like word up, word <laughs> up. Yeah, which I don't know if if that was a if Mark Morrison's thing Who was did a it first. Yeah, yeah. If it was a tribute to cameo, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe what that thing is. Maybe it's a little bit Rick James too. A little bit. It's definitely very distinctly cameo, though. It yeah. is. It is a very cameo word up sound. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, with with Mark Morrison, I the song I listened to from his 2014 album. It was the first track on it. I don't remember what it was called, but it was basically like a song about how like he loves his family mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like a great father and stuff like that. So good for him. I don't know if people want to necessarily listen to that <laughs> or 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 want to you know grind in the club to that, but. But good for him. It still sounded cool. He paid a lookalike to go and do his community service. And then he went on tour. Yeah, that was the big thing. Was It wasn't just that he paid the lookalike to do the community service. He went on tour while it was happening. (laughs) Right, like you might not have gotten caught. (laughs) You might not have gotten caught if you didn't just try to be in two places at once. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's RIP to one of the greats, but... You remember when uh, MF Doom got in a MF bunch of trouble Doom. by he would hire lookalikes to dress like him and do his yeah. shows? Wow. <laughs> Doom, that just seemed legendary because that was just a part of his persona. It's like, oh, he's the villain. Like, that's what villains do. 
But you're not so happy when you're the person who paid to see the show. <laughs> the look-alike Maybe like, you could get away with the, the lookalike stuff in the 90s. There wasn't, you know, not everyone had the phones and the cameras and stuff. And, you know, maybe these people who like stormed a White House <laughs> thought that it was still the 90s, too, because, uh, <laughs> you know, you could, you could get away with stuff back then, I, I guess. Although Mark didn't get away with it. No, no. <laughs> but the thing that made me laugh was also like looking at all the different ways that this song's been used. And I, I hinted at it earlier, like it was used in a lot of fast food commercials. It's being used in fast food commercials literally right now. But like the one time it was like Burger King was using it to promote that they had like mac and cheese on the menu. <laughs> they <laughs> but did? The most, yeah, but the most absurd one to me is that McDonald's started using it in 2020 to announce that McDonald's were reopening during the pandemic. Wow. And using Return of the Mac for that is hilarious to me. That's awesome. <laughs> it's also awesome that Burger King had mac and cheese. I had no idea. <laughs> Not exactly Return of the Mac, but, you know, we have Mega Ran, uh, also known yeah. as Ran, on the show. Uh, a man who just, I mean, is killing it in the podcast game with the Matt Mania podcast. Killing it in the rap game. I feel like you're dropping like two or three albums a year at the pace that you're going. But now also published author. Yes, yes. It feels insane to even say. My memoir that I've literally worked on for like five, six years is finally out. It covers a lot of my childhood and my first six or seven years as a professional musician. All the ups and downs and all the struggles. It is called Dream Master. Based on... A couple of things, a game, Little Nemo, the Dream Master, which could be considered one of those one hit wonders. It's a game no one really talks about, but it's about a kid who could control his dreams. Through that, later on, I connected it to Nightmare on Elm Street. I think it's number four, which has the subtitle, the Dream Master. Yeah. So going through that and realizing all these pieces of pop culture were so important to me, I started writing a book. I think it's very interesting. It's fun. It's hopeful. It's hopefully inspiring to people and uh, it's out now wherever you get fine books. That's awesome, man. Hey, I, I want to say one more thing that that's impressive that Matt should listen. Your Wikipedia is impressive. <laughs> when I, when I really? look at your Wikipedia, I'm like, God damn, look at your discography. It is insane. <laughs> <laughs> I look at it once in a while and I'm like, oh man, they need to take that off. That thing sucked. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to read your book, man. Thank you. Thank you. And I, okay, I want to talk to you a little bit about Nintendo then. I mean, as a loyal okay. Nintendo Power subscriber back in the day from from issue two, I didn't have the issue one, but oh, issue two, I, I was, was a there subscriber. issue one, so we must be about the same age. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're close. We're close. <laughs> I think you, you got me by a couple years, but we're, we're very close. I'm going to put you on the spot. What is your favorite? Okay, we're talking about you You use a lot of Nintendo samples. What is your favorite soundtrack from an original NES game? Is that putting you on the spot too much? No. Mega Man 2. Yeah, okay. Nice. Is amazing. Uh, there's Mario 3, Castlevania. Mm. Man, I love all the Castlevanias, but I'd say Castlevania 3. And I just recently started playing a game that has great music that I hadn't heard of. It came out toward the end of the NES era, and it's called Power Blade. This game has some phenomenal music and ducktales i i kind of like the music in the uh friday the 13th video game which i saw someone talking shit on that game the other day i think that game's awesome it's hard i didn't like it well i rented it and i guess i just couldn't figure it out and we just it's always hard crossed. 
yeah. it's definitely hard. That and Nightmare on Elm Street are very, very difficult NES yeah. games. Yeah. Dude, Zelda 2 has some awesome, like, when you're in the towns, <laughs> you know, when, yeah. it's, when it doesn't look like shit, when it's not the overhead view and it's like the side view. It has some <laughs> awesome music. Now, I asked you original NES. This is Super Nintendo. But if you guys have played Earthbound. Yes. I, you know what? I never finished it. Oh, but so good. I do love that game. So that's one that I've been meaning to go back to. Dude, I played it recently, like, because you could buy it like on the Switch. And I played it and I'm like, oh my God, this, the score of this is amazing. It's so good. And, and the whole game is just like outrageously good. I still think, I know, I know Ran brought up Super Mario 3, but I think Super Mario 2 soundtrack is so slept on. There's some great mm-hmm. sounds in that soundtrack. You're right. You're right. There are some great ones in it for sure. All the Mario games always had really, really great music. But yeah, 2 in general gets kind of slept on because it's so different. Not not actually a Mario game to begin with. It's a Mario game. Doki Doki Panic. Yeah. But I like Mario 2 too, man. But I remember still to this day, the first time I saw Mario 2 at like a friend's house, because you couldn't even find it. You couldn't get it. And I remember to this day, I wanted to get it. And I was at a Hills department store (laughs) and (laughs) they had just got a box of them in. I still remember that feeling like when I saw them open that box, it was just full of Mario 2s and I could I could buy it. It was like the greatest feeling. But seeing that for the first time, it's like seeing the first time I saw Sonic the Hedgehog on a big screen TV at my friend's birthday party. And it was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. I think I read a quote. It says, nostalgia is undefeated. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's true, man. And uh, you start to hear those bleeps and bloops again. It just takes you right back. It's impressive what these, uh, and you say slept on, who are these people that were writing this music using like these 8-bit, 16-bit sounds or that, you know, what they were limited to. That's like, amazing who who wrote the most iconic song ever the dun, 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 like oji kondo oh I you mean, know you know i know <laughs> oh i know <laughs> he's had to get the rights to some <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah probably had to talk to people about these things um he did zelda as well the overworld theme that we'll never forget dun, 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 dun. yeah so these people are absolutely legendary. But you know what's crazy? There's a great Netflix special called, is it called like Game Over or something? High Score? High was Score. It? That's yeah, it. Yeah, High Score. And they show some moments of, I believe it's Koji Kondo and a few, no, Hip Tanaka and a few of these other people who made like legendary themes like Metroid and Zelda. And they're playing these tiny venues in Japan. You know, and I'm like, this is a global treasure. This is an icon that you guys are watching. I hope you understand that. Yeah. And these guys are playing like the tiniest little hole in the wall spots to like, these really intimate crowds. While Mark Morrison's out getting his clothes <laughs> ripped off by, by women. Just want to bring it back. What's his name again? I never want to forget it. Koji Kondo. Koji Kondo. That's a cool name. And too. the name is cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know? why don't I know that? Koji Kondo. That's badass. Uh, that's like the best name ever. <laughs> and so he's still with us and everything? He's He is. Kicking? He's still around. I think he's still doing music. He did, uh, he did some things for Scott Pilgrim versus Aww. the world. And uh, they bring him back to do Smash Brothers whenever they, because they always recreate those themes. So they get the same uh, composers if they can. But yeah, he did a Scott Program soundtrack. Wow. Yeah, they know what's up. Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. 
<laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm so psyched right now that I, I'm learning these things. Uh, I, I didn't know Koji Kondo. Never want to forget that. The last big question, you know, you've got the book out, but is there another Mega Ran record in the works as well for, for 2021? Uh, there is for sure. I am working with young RJ uh, of Slum Village on uh, another project. We did an album called Two Hands Up about May last year. Much more of a, you know, socio-political climate analysis type record than video game fun times because of the times that we've been in. It's coming together really well. I hope to get this out soon. Maybe once we can start start talking about touring again, because I really want to play it on stages. So we're going to kind of hold it and work around the state of the world and see what happens. (laughs) Dr. Fauci says everything goes according to plan. End of this year, we will be ready. I'm ready, man. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. And then yeah. we'll get the crazy punchline Mega Ran tour. The, the, yeah, yeah. the two, <laughs> two worlds that never should have been combined. <laughs> oh, we, got, we got more in common than, than anyone knows. Hey, and also, Ran, I, when I was doing my research on you, we were both part of Lynn Sanity. You had a little wow. bit of Lynn Sanity. <laughs> Absolutely. I had a brush with Lynn Sanity. Yeah. I made a song when uh, when Jeremy Lynn started really doing his thing. Yeah. I got interviewed for a bunch of news stories and documentaries. Like it was it was a really cool moment. Yeah, dude, you you have so many cool moments that like I feel like you could do like you should have a podcast where you just talk about the cool moments that you have so many. But I just thought Lynn Sanity was something we shared. I was part of the part of the Lynn Sanity craze too. I mean, not part of it as you you were you were actually like kind of a direct part of it. I was just enjoying it. You were enjoying it. Were <laughs> yes, you a, a right. Knicks fan at the time or just a just a Lynn fan? <laughs> not not really a Knicks fan. I'm okay. I'm, a, I'm a fan of the NBA in general, and it's funny how I. I like LeBron. Like I'm kind of like a LeBron head. <laughs> and just because like, I mean, Cleveland's in, in Akron aren't that far away from me. So I kind of, I don't know. Are you Sixers fan or, or what? Yeah, I'm a Sixers fan. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Cleveland was the closest thing that I, I had here. And, and so I kind of root for LeBron wherever he is. You know what? I need to, you made a really good point about the Jeremy Lin thing and Lin Sanity. And it's now making me want to do some research and maybe on like an anniversary of that or something, I'll do a podcast about it or something. Yeah. Nice. That'd be great, man. It's been really nice talking to you. Oh, man. Likewise. This has been super fun. Oh, yeah. This is the story of a boy who believed that whatever he dreamed, he would come to achieve. But never in his life did he dream he could be an inspiration to those who came after he. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Dream Master by this week's guest, Megaran. It also happens to be the name of his book, which you can purchase anywhere books are sold. Matt and Chris are excited to announce our company, We Know Podcasting. If you've always wanted to host a podcast but don't know how to get started or want feedback on your current podcast, or maybe you just need someone to edit your shows, we're here to help. Contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for rates. Let us know your thoughts on our show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting apps. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. So he like decided to create it. He put stone shadows, legs on snake guys' body till they pop, and then he duct taped it. He made spaceships while the big kids hung out on the block Playing hide and seek and riding bikes They used to try to get involved, but they told him get lost And that's when they started getting high at night 
Then I heard he made a friend who was as nerdy as him When he had all that he could withstand He collected comics and cards, studied, knew the whole Star Wars script like the back of his hand In his school he made A's and B's, and teachers complimented his amazing feats And all the while he wondered, if I'm so amazing, jeez, how come nobody won't play with me? Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.